Well, you guys all signed up for the wrong class. Just joking. Thirty um, percent of you know me. You're in my youth group. Um, for the others are in here. My name is Tyler Kenyon. Um, I am an assistant minister at Christ Presbyterian Church in Somerville, Tennessee. If you don't know what that is, it's because it's a town of about 4,000 people. Um, it's right outside Memphis, though. I'm sure we all know where Memphis is. Um, I'm originally from Bentonville, Arkansas, um, which means I'm a Razorback fan through thick, mostly thick and thin, whichever one of those is the worst. That is what we um, cheer for the Razorbacks. I have a wife. Uh, her name is Jessica. Um, we met in the sixth grade. Um, and we didn't start dating to our senior year in high school. So we've been together literally half our lives now um, as we enter our mid-30s, which is wonderful. Um, when you go back to high school reunions, it's fun to have the same friends as your wife. Um, not that any of you all know that. Um, what else did I want to say? Oh, I have three boys. You're going to see a picture of one of them in just a minute. Um, uh, I have an eight, a six, and a three-year-old, all boys. So everything in my house is broken all the time. Um, and as soon as you fix it, it breaks again. Um, this week, we're going to be talking about the most dangerous prayer. Um, and we are going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. Because the Lord's Prayer teaches us something both about to whom we pray, and it teaches about us that pray the prayer. When I first began youth ministry, at youth ministry at the church where I am, I asked a bunch of the parents, what do the kids need to learn? And I got basically split down the middle answer response from both of them, from two different groups. One was they need to learn scripture. They need to know the word of God because they don't know the word of God. And the second is they need to know how to pray. I was like, well, I know where those two things come together. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and so this is based on that. This is not the same as... That lesson that I did. Luckily, none of you were in my youth group when I did that lesson. Um, and so, but today we're actually going to start in Romans uh, 8, um, verses 26 to 28. If you turn your Bibles there, um, we will actually not get to the Lord's Prayer today, but we are going to talk about just prayer in general today, um, which I am excited about doing. So, Romans 8, 26 to 28. Likewise, Paul says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who he, those who are called according to his purpose. That's the word of the Lord. What's up, man? Um, so, and on February second, two thousand and fifteen, my middle son. Actually, you know, what, I don't want to show that picture yet. Erase it. Um, February two thousand fifteen, my son woke up with a fever. My wife and I, as very good parents, we want our son to be healed. From his fever. So what do good parents do? We take him to the doctor. Doctor looked at him. They said, you know, this is easy. He has a double ear infection. 
So they gave him a prescription. They said, go home, give him this medicine, and he'll feel a lot better. The problem was is that the medicine actually made things worse. It didn't help him. And this is what happened to him after we gave him medicine. He broke out with hives all over his face. Um, it got so bad that this eye soon was swollen shut. He couldn't open it. He, he had an allergic reaction. He's allergic to penicillin. And they gave him amoxicillin, which usually cures uh, uh, ear infection, but it was the wrong prescription. This is, this is him now. That's his normal face. He's my, he's my go-getter. Um, he gets after it. What Paul tells us in Romans 8 is that we need a pres- prescription for our prayer. We need something outside of ourselves to help us pray because we can't do it on our own. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. What Paul is teaching us is that our sin has made us so sick. Our sin has wrecked every aspect of our lives. It's so vast, so indiscriminate, that it not only kills our spiritual life, but it actually kills our prayers. Our prayers are dead. And without Jesus, we are hopeless. And we are sick. But the Spirit helps us to pray for what we ought. Uh, An illustration I often use in my youth group is called the Law of the Instrument. It's by psychologist Abraham Maslow. And whatever he said, whether he said right or wrong, he said this, I suppose it would be tempting if the only tool you have is a hammer to treat everything as if it were a nail. So I personify this a little bit, and I say, if you are a hammer, every problem you see looks like a nail. Now, a hammer is designed to hit nails, or take nails out of a piece of wood. My dad was a framer, so I grew up every summer working for him, and it was hot, and it was awful. I basically moved. He would say, there's a stack of wood. I need you to move that over here. And the next day, I would move it back to where it was. Um, He loved me, and he was giving me good manual labor to do. But my dad always had this tool belt, and it was a really cool tool belt, and it had a bunch of tools. If he only had a hammer, he would use the hammer to do every job, but he didn't. He also had a level. He also used a tape measure and a pencil and a thing they called a square that looks exactly like a triangle. Um, But So my dad had all these different tools in his tool belt. And what Paul is saying here is that if we are hammers, our problem isn't a nail. Because hammers hit nails. But that's not our problem. Our prayer tool is broken. We cannot pray for what we ought. Now, this what we ought is very important. um, Because some commentators have said that in our weakness, we don't know how to pray as we ought. And this is actually how the New American Standard translates it. It says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, 
For we do not know how to pray for, how to pray as we should. But the NIV agrees with the ESV and it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness that we do not know what we ought to pray. And this might seem like something small, but how and what speak of two different things. How we pray is a prayer of manner. It's saying we are inadequate in our method. The words that we are saying and the way that we say them are wrong. But this is not what Paul is talking about. He is talking about the what. He's saying it's not the form that you pray is wrong. It's saying the actual ability to pray, what you ought to pray, you cannot do on your own. You need the help of the Spirit to pray what you ought. That tells us that our prayers on our own, without the work of the Spirit, are completely inadequate. It's not in manner. It's in content that sin has caused our prayers to be broken. And you know how I know, so other than reading Greek, which I don't do very well, and knowing what these words mean, do you know how I know the New American Standard is wrong? I want to go back to it. How to pray as we should? You know how I know that's wrong? Because Jesus taught us how to pray. He gave us a model prayer to pray. So this how to pray, the style of what we pray, the prayer of manner, is not what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking and saying that what we pray. Because Paul knew the Lord's Prayer. Paul knew that Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. But as we will see in just a second, our prayers are dead because of our sins. And what I want to talk about this week is that no wonder it's so hard to pray. It is so hard to pray. And I wish I had the magic pill to hand out this week to say, take this class and it's going to be a lot easier to pray. But what Scripture teaches is that it is just hard. Because our sin makes it hard. But the Spirit is with us to help us. Because like everything else in our lives, as far as back to the garden, we need the help of the Father. And Jesus tells us to pray His prayer the way that He taught His disciples. And I'm sorry it's hard to pray. I'm a minister. I get prayer lists every single week. And even for me, it's still hard to pray for what I ought. Sometimes I think it's because I don't know how to pray. And I blame, oh, you know, sin makes it hard, so I have an excuse not to pray the way that I should or what I should. But what I often don't desire, 
as I don't desire the things of God. I don't desire for the well-being of others, but I'm because I'm more worried about myself. And what I don't desire is to take my problems to God. Where I should lay my prayers down at His feet as an offering. And what I actually don't desire, what, what, what I'm actually doing when I don't desire these things, is I'm actually not desiring to be in the presence of God the Father Almighty, the Maker of heaven and earth. Because you would think, listen, I have, I have this prayer list. You would think, looking at this prayer list, we would say the first thing we need to do is we need to go to God. He's the one that is alive and well, and He answers our prayers. But our sin has made us sick. It's made us weak. And we don't pray for what we ought. But you know what this should do? Knowing this, should cause us to run to Jesus. Because time and time again, we see that we can't do something, but we see that Jesus has done something for us. He's done it in our place. We need something outside of us. As my son needed a prescription to help him, whether that prescription that he received that time was wrong, we need a prescription that will actually help us in our prayer. And that prescription... Sunday school answer is Jesus. As you read in your daily devotion this morning, He is going to send us a helper. And the Spirit lives inside of us and intercedes for us. Because just like our spiritual life, this is what Paul says in Ephesians, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. But, and then we get to the biggest but in the Bible. But God, being rich in His mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us together, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and you've and are raised up with Him, seated with Him in the heavenly place in Christ Jesus. So sin is so vast. Our spiritual life is dead. Sin is so vast. Our prayer life is dead. But there's good news. Because Paul doesn't just leave us there. He doesn't just stop at verse 26 and say, you guys don't know what to pray. Sorry. Go try harder. No, Paul tells us that we have changed. Past tense. This is a letter to God's people. We have changed because the Spirit lives inside of us. We have been given strength in our weakness. We, we, God's people, have received the right tools to know how to pray. And it's the Spirit living inside of us, indwelling us, You are right. Your prayers need help. And the message of the Gospel is that we have received help. And our help comes from the Lord. Even in your prayer lives, you need Jesus. 
this imagery works for the gospel overall, and it also works for our spiritual and our, our prayer lives. Um, and this is what Paul tells us, and this is what Peter tells us, and this is what John tells us, and this is what James tells us, and this is what Jesus tells us. It's that we need to be made alive through Christ. So I keep speaking of these spiritual life and death, talking about our salvation life, but that goes as far and as deep as our prayer life, as far as our sex life, as far as our friendships, as far as the curse is found. Our lives need resurrecting. Um, So we need a prescription. Um, And God has also, so God has given us a prescription, which is Jesus. We are in poverty because we don't know what to pray for, don't know what to pray as we ought. Now we must ask the question how has the Spirit given us what we need? So Paul actually tells us, and we've addressed the what issue. So it's a what issue, not a how issue. But we need to talk about the how now. So Paul's addressing the what. You don't know what to pray for as you ought. But he says the Spirit now intercedes for you. How does the Spirit intercede for us? Well, he actually says it twice in verse 26 and 27. And I only put verse 27 up here. Um... He who searches hearts, so this is God the Father, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So verse 26 says, The Spirit intercedes for us with groaning groaning too deep for words. So how the Spirit is helping us is that He's interceding for us. And what is this interceding look like? What do we need help with? And Paul tells us to pray the will of God. That's what verse 27 says. Who knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He intercedes with us with groaning too deep for words. The Spirit allows the people of God to pray the will of God. Because we have to remember in our salvation life. So, I live. Oh, I want to say this. I grew up in Baptist country, Southern Belt. I love my Baptist brethren. Um. They are dear friends of mine. They are brothers and sisters in the gospel. No question in my mind. But something that I heard a lot when I was growing up that my church didn't emphasize as much as I try to emphasize um, at our church now is that they got the gospel right. We are saved from our sin. Foundation of the gospel. Absolutely true. But what I didn't hear a lot is that Yes, we are saved from something, but the gospel always saves us to something. We have to do an about face. We were walking this way, 
And repentance means that we turn and we go the other way. This is what we're saved to. To do the will of God. We are saved from our sin. And we are saved to something. And that to something is a life filled with Christ. Where the Spirit intercedes for us. And this is exactly what Paul says uh, in the next in verse 29. I didn't read this at the, at the beginning. But in verse 29, he says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. If you're reformed, you know this. This is, this is the gospel. Woo! We are predestined. But what are we predestined to? To be conformed into the image of the Son. In order that we might be the firstborn among the brothers. God's will for His people. So this is, this is what, what the, the Spirit is teaching us to pray. God's will for His people is to be conformed into the image of Christ. That is the will of God for you. Is that you will be conformed to the image of Christ. This is what the Spirit is doing. He is making us, conforming us, transforming us through our prayers to look more like Jesus. That is what Christ-likeness is. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Read through John's Gospel. Listen how many times Jesus says, I've come to do the will of the Father. And this is exactly what Jesus calls us to do. Through the Spirit, to pray for the will of God. So our, 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 our theme this week is peace with God. And last night, Morgan, what Morgan said was exactly right. For us to have peace, there, needs, there first must be conflict. But the conflict resolution for our prayers isn't a conflict that we overcome ourselves. This conflict has already been overcome on the cross of Christ. Think about how freeing that is. So we have this conflict. Some of you might not be good. My father is awful at conflict resolution. He's, he's a, I think, an eight on the Enneagram, where he just doesn't like confrontation. He, he would rather talk about, hey, everyone get along, let's not talk about confrontation. I love my father. This is just how God has made him. But this confrontation that we have has already been solved by something outside of ourselves. It was resolved in the cross by Christ. And through faith in Christ, the Spirit begins to conform us into the image of Christ, and we will then begin praying. What? The will of God. Isn't it interesting... What does Jesus pray for in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Paul is telling us to pray as Christ taught his disciples to pray according to the will of God. This is what the Spirit is doing. He is leading us and teaching us and interceding us. He is lifting up our prayers so that we will be conformed to the will of God, that we become like Christ.
This is how Romans 8 connects to the Lord's Prayer. In our poverty, we are unable to pray for what we ought. We don't pray correctly. And Jesus taught His disciples, when you pray, pray that the will of the Father comes. But guess what? It actually even gets better. So, in in looking and thinking about this passage, um, Professor Dr. Richard Gaffin um, really helped shape this um, this whole talk for me. And he said to understand what this passage is teaching, we actually need to go back in our Bibles. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to do something. The will of God, going back to the will of God. Great application. If you want a book about the will of God, read this book by Kevin DeYoung. Just do something. Um, I just bought this for all of my graduating seniors at our church. Um, and it's only like, if you're not a big reader, this book's for you. It's only like 130 pages. Um, but he, go, he goes through what the will of God is for you um, and goes through, it's, you know. So uh, the reason I gave it to my college students is some of them are asking, of course, what college do I go to? What do I do? What do I want to do when I grow up? All those things. And we say that the word of God is our, our book of truth. It reveals who God is, but you can't read the Word of God and find out what college you're supposed to go to. And Kevin DeYoung just does a great job of going through how we as people can fulfill the will of God, even though he hasn't told us, you know, go to the University of Arkansas because it's the best SEC school. Um, um, but, okay, so now we want to turn back to Romans 8, 9 through 10. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now remember, this is what we said. We have been made alive in Christ by the power of the Spirit. But then he says this in verses 14 to 16. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Paul is saying, believer in God, Christians, those who want to be more like Christ, You are no longer children of wrath. Not only is the Spirit dwelling inside of us and teaching us how to pray according to the will of God, but the Spirit is now living inside of us, and now we get to call this God of creation, whom we know by name because He has revealed Himself. Not only do we just say God in heaven, now we get to say Father. Because we have been adopted into His family. So this God who has created all things, sustains life, upholds every molecule and atom by the word of His power, determines the numbers of the stars and has given them their name. 
we get to call this God, because the Spirit lives inside of us, Father. That's how this prayer gets better. Because, oh wait, how does the Lord start His prayer? Our Father in Heaven. We're not praying to just some God who created everything. We're not just praying to God who revealed Himself in Exodus 3 as I am that I am. We are praying to this God and we are saying, Father in Heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. The Spirit has given us this privilege. And this privilege we have received through Christ and the cross. Our privilege as sons and daughters through Christ is to come before God with our requests, with our desires, with our deepest longings, and we lay them before Him. So prayer has now become our privilege. We are privileged to go before God as His children. And this is what I love about verse 28. We all know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Do you know why things work for good for those who know God? Because He's a generous Father. And we are His children. No, or I should say, all good fathers want good for their children. And it's our privilege to call Him Abba, Father, our Father in Heaven. I'd be remiss if I didn't try to make some sort of application. And I hope you guys have questions because I don't have 45 minutes worth of talking left. Um, But I'd be remiss if I didn't think that this is a small group in here. But it breaks my heart to know that some of you might not have good relationships with your father. And it might be really hard for you to think of God as a loving father who cares for your needs. Who cares to help you when you find yourself in trouble. Who cares to nurture you when you feel like you're totally drained. But this is exactly who God our Father is. As I said earlier, sin is so vast, so indiscriminate. Our spiritual life, our physical life, our prayers are dead. But sin is so vast and so indiscriminate that it even breaks our families apart. And that makes me mourn. Sin has affected every aspect of what it means to reflect His image as image bearers. And this might not sound like good news to you if you have a father who doesn't love you the way that he should to be able to call God Father. But I promise you someday it'll click 
and you'll be reminded of how fathers should love their children. Because our Father has literally done everything for you. He has redeemed you through His Son. You are His. He has shown His face upon you. And through Christ, He has given us peace. This is the Gospel. So I ask you, how are you being conformed into the image of Christ in your prayer life? It is the will of God, according to His good pleasure, that all things good, bad, lovely, broken, hurtful, joyful, sorrowful, hopeless, and hopeful, all of those things work together for our good because we are His children. The Lord's Prayer forces us to see this God that we often treat like a vending machine. <laughs> that we, we pay our dues and say, God, you know, I read my Bible this morning, so when I pray, I really want you to answer them. Or we only think about praying when there is just something like, oh, that test, I really, I really need to do well at this test. God, please, please help me. Even if that's how we treat God in our prayer lives now, the Spirit is working inside of you, conforming you to be like Jesus, conforming you to say, Lord, Father, Thy will be done. I don't know about you, but I I did that a lot with my dad. I used to ask him for like 10 or 20 bucks, only when I needed 10 or 20 bucks. Maybe you ask your parents for like a Venmo number or like transfer money into my Venmo card. Um, but no. As we will look at tomorrow, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And he started with Father. And do you know why we pray for the will of God? more like Christ. You know why that's important for us Christians? Because when we first think about that, praying the will of God is really kind of hard. Because oftentimes the will of God really conflicts with our wills. But what Scripture continually teaches us is that when we pray the will of God, in the end, it will be our greatest good too. God is a loving Father. He wants what's best for us. And so when we pray the will of God, we're actually praying for ourselves that the best that could possibly happen to us actually does. Because very often as children, we don't know what's best for us. We think eating a pound of gummy bears before we get on the bus for 10 hours is a good idea. But 12 hours later, we realize it's not a good idea. And so I'm going to give you some homework. Um... Go and read um, Ephesians, the end of Ephesians. So in Ephesians, um, we all know, well, I don't want to say that. You all should know, because you you know your Bibles. At the end of Ephesians, Paul talks about the armor of God. Very well-known passage. he's, He's saying, put on the armor of God. But have you ever understood why he asks 
people to put on, or why he tells people to put on the armor of God. This is how he ends the, the, the armor of God passage. He says, The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. He's saying, pray the Word of God. This is where the Spirit is leading you. And it's really, it's really funny where he goes. No, it's not funny where he goes, but it's really important to know where he goes with that. He says, put on the full armor of God so that we might have the courage to go proclaim the Gospel. Remember, we are always saved from something, but we are always saved to something. And what Paul is telling the people of Ephesus is we put on the armor of God, we are praying the Word of God, which is the will of God. If you want to know God's will, read this. Because this is what tells us you need to be conformed to the image of Christ. This is what tells us what it means and how we actually become image bearers in a Christ-like manner. But then we do the about face. And what, why do we become conformed to the image of Christ? To go and teach the people about the good news of the Gospel. So encapsulated in the Lord's Prayer, we also see a vision for our mission. It tells us who we are, who, to whom we pray, and it tells us what we're going to do. We're going to talk about more about that tomorrow, about the kingdom coming. But if we understand our poverty, that we do not pray for what we ought, we realize that we need a prescription for our weakness, and then we see that it is our privilege to call God Father. This is what sets us off in the course of praying the Lord's Prayer. And this is what sets us off for the mission of God. Uh, and so I have the Lord's Prayer, and I would love to... I'm going to pray, we're going to pray this all together in a second, but I want to know if you guys have questions. Sorry, this was more sermon-esque than I meant it to be. Um... I hope it provoked questions. Maybe think about it and write down questions. Katie, do you have a question? You always have a question. No? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. All right. All right, well, let's, let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Alright, you guys are dismissed.